We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'll be joined on today's bonus edition of the podcast by my co-host Sean Siegel. And we are also going to be joined by Anthony Amico, who is at Amixta on social media. If you have uh, been listening to the shows over the last week, we have had uh, a number of shows that have been part of a draft that we have been doing along with Anthony over at the FFPC as part of the Football Guys Players Championship and it has been a lot of fun for us to to bring you this part of the uh, the draft. But we have broken it into five parts. This is part four. We have done um, basically the prep part of it, the opening rounds. Then we've done those kind of middle rounds. Then as we pushed into the zero RB targets. And then now we are into that final stage of the draft to see how things play out. We will also be trying to see if we can get that signature player that sean likes to add in and kj hamler let's see if that happens over the next couple of rounds but it's been fun hopefully you've enjoyed the draft if you haven't heard the other parts you can listen to them after but lots of actionable content as we are on the clock trying to decide between what players are available so hopefully you will enjoy it we are drafting from the 11th spot in the draft so let's get into it and see how it finishes off what does the draft board look like at the end and in part five we will do a full recap off the draft board what we could change if we went back and done it all again so again looking forward to sharing that with you it will be up on the road of his overtime podcast feed sooner than it is up on the main feed so if you are interested in getting these as soon as possible make sure you subscribe to the road of his overtime podcast feed on whichever podcast app you listen to your podcasts so let's dive into it um because i think the other thing that's nice is like this next tier of backs later it does actually provide i think a few guys that um could, play. could be yeah it could be could play and could be sneaky for us i mean i i really like kenny gainwell this year i think that he's someone who um maybe being is being a little bit undersold i mean we, we already saw sirianni last year do this running back rotation when he had jonathan taylor i mean i don't think it's a stretch to say that miles sanders is not jonathan taylor um you know so we could see gainwell in almost like a heinz kind of role uh james white obviously is like the prototypical receiving back um and i and i like malcolm brown a good bit this year also he's a little bit further down the board but you know brown is someone who you know last year was taking 
you know, targets, goal and carries away in uh, L.A. And now he's with Miami. I mean, who knows really what they think of Miles Gaskin. It sounds like they were getting ready to take Javante Williams before the, uh, the Broncos traded up and grabbed him. So, you know, household are they on him? Maybe Malcolm Brown is someone who can do kind of the same thing and get these like really high EP touches uh, for the Dolphins, who I think is kind of like an ascending offense. So there's still some guys, I think, on the board that we can plug and play. So it's good to get, I think, these guys who have the elite handcuff ceiling. Uh, maybe you guys don't agree. I don't know. I'd be curious to know. But no, I, I would agree with that. I think it's it's quite interesting, though, um, some of the guys that are still available. Some of the guys me and Sean have talked about uh, on some of the podcasts recently are guys like, you know, Javion Hawkins and Salvin Ahmad. You know, they're going to be going a little bit later here. But even somebody like Samad JP, Ryan, I think it's interesting. I know we're talking a lot about the Bengals, but um, I think, like, you know, he, he's an interesting play there as well, kind of fitting the mold of some of the guys that we've picked already. But, yeah, I think what Sean's into is it's very important to have those guys that can give us those points in week one to to get us, you know, through those first weeks in case these guys are more mid-season or late-season plays. Well, I think I'm I'm probably okay with Pollard and Jones in week one, but I wanted to kind of feel the room out. Now, as you're mentioning there, Colin, you know, the Cowboys have mentioned a little bit. I mean, last year they had their chance to use Pollard when Elliott was not even healthy, and they kind of refused to do it except for that game when Elliott was completely out. So there maybe is a little bit of a concern there. I do like those notes on Malcolm Brown. It's kind of funny because he could maybe touch the ball 75 times this year and like 73 of them are high-value touches. Right. James White, how, how quickly is Mac Jones going to take this team over and turn it back into a team where you've got a quarterback who you know needs that dump-off valve is going to run the, the game that way as opposed to Cam Newton destroying all the value? Do we, do we feel comfortable with White? based on Mac Jones, Anthony, or am I exaggerating the necessity of Jones for him to be a valuable player? No, I, I definitely think it's necessary. I mean, if you want the ceiling to have like that 10 target week or something like that, which I think is something white has provided in the past, like you, you need Mac Jones. I'm really bullish on Mac Jones. I mean, he, had, he completed a ton of his passes in the SEC. Like I really think he's going to push Cam Newton early to win this job. I mean, there's just so many limitations to what your offense looks like when you have Cam Newton as your quarterback, uh, you know, week one last year, we were all really excited. You know, Cam was, was running. He was looking really good. Then, you know, week two against Seattle, or maybe it was week three, he has all these passing yards. Uh, then he gets COVID, uh, you know, things just kind of aren't really the same. And it's hard to know what guy we're going to get this year in Cam Newton. But I, I would just imagine that if you're a coaching staff who had Tom Brady for so long, you went to Cam Newton. You said, okay, let's try something different. Let's do this. This is the best we can do. Uh, it just immediately tightens up your game plan. Like there's just plays you can't run when Cam Newton's your quarterback. Um, I, I think that they would love to get Mac Jones in there if he's ready. And that's, uh, I mean, if, if Mac Jones is playing, James White is being way, way, way underdrafted, I think. Um, you know, Ramondre Stevenson's on the NFI. There really isn't a lot of competition there for touches. I mean, he could even potentially get some carries. I know that Damian Harris is uh, someone that, you know, that people like, but he's really not going to touch the ball in the passing game at all. So uh, yeah, I, I like white a decent bit uh, with Mac Jones under center. Talk to us a little bit about JVN Hawkins and the situation in Atlanta. Anytime that you're looking at an undrafted player, I mean, it's such a long shot at the same time. He has what is a very undervalued profile. And we've seen Robinson, we've seen Lindsay, we've seen someone like Gaskin who was drafted late 
all of these guys who were excellent college players. And for some reason, the NFL didn't care during draft time. But then when Sunday happens, you're like, oh, you know, we should play players who are good. Is there a route for Hawkins like that, considering sort of what the depth chart is in Atlanta? Or is he more of a guy that you watch and maybe add after weeks two and three? No, I think he's someone you want to leave the draft with. I mean, that's I, I, something that I think you guys have talked about is like you want to be ahead of the waiver wire and, and that he is a guy that you could see immediately after like week one being a hot pickup. Uh, he's a little smaller. I think that's probably why he's maybe not getting the attention that he deserves, but he was a workhorse in college and maybe he doesn't end up ever getting that kind of a chance in the NFL. But even if he can just get to like eight or 10 carries or something like that in Atlanta, I mean, that's not really the part that we care about. The part that we care about is does he have the opportunity to get all of this receiving work in a Falcon passing game that we know can be really high volume, doesn't really have a lot of targets. I mean, they added Kyle Pitts. They just have Russell Gage as their second receiver. Like there just isn't a lot there. Um, so Hawkins is someone who all of a sudden, you know, you could see being on the field a lot in this kind of like high volume passing game that, that needs to be on the field and throwing frequently because of how bad that defense continues to be. So I, I like Hawkins a lot. I mean, I'm not, I don't really know well enough to know where he goes in these FFPC drafts, but I feel like if, if it's the difference between drafting him and, and letting him be on the waiver wire, I, I say we definitely draft him. Well, Kenneth Gainwell goes right there, which is too bad. You'd kind of gotten me excited about the possibility of adding him to the back end of our roster. We are going to have free agent pickups before the season. So we don't have to be concerned that if Burrow isn't ready, that we won't have a chance to pick up a guy. We don't actually need a second QB unless we think it's someone like Fields who unfortunately did go. I ruined that one for us. But we do have, again, our chance to have this Matt Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick conversation. Tua also available, although you continue to get things out of the team that suggest that the Dolphins themselves don't even like him. Daniel Jones, someone who brings some rushing upside from late in the draft, and they've kind of rebuilt the weapons around him. Anthony, is there any quarterback here that you feel like is a necessity to draft, or should we go into the the season with kind of one QB, knowing that allows us to stash an extra one of these depth running backs? Yeah, I'm comfortable, I think, with kicking QB down the curve a little bit here. I don't think these guys are difference makers. Yeah, I agree. I, and I think when we look down through them, I think like there's going to be a number of these guys that will be waiver options. Um, you know, come that time before the season, I think we can, if we need to, we can we can easily get one of them on board. Um, we are on the clock though. Um, we did talk through some of the names that we were interested in, but where Sean, do you feel uh, we should be leaning here? Well, I think for me, it's kind of James White or a kicker. And White has the week 14 bye, which isn't a huge deal. It just means you get more points until the championship game. If we're playing James White in the championship game, maybe we've got some other problems. But I would go White or probably Harrison Bucker in this spot. Anthony, we've got 14 seconds. Which direction should we go? Yeah, let's go White. And then uh, I think we could get one of these big kickers on the way back. Okay, so just to update people, Philip Lindsay actually did go just a couple of spots right before us. He would have been somebody uh, that we really would have had to heavily consider in that spot as well. Our running back board, as we wait for the picks in between, has really in any order, now has Samaje Pirine, who we haven't discussed yet, but will in a minute, Hawkins, Salvin Ahmed, who we haven't discussed, but kind of fits in with Malcolm Brown there as possibly late, Joshua Kelly, who I actually think is going to have a lot of high-value touches there when they need to rest Austin Eckler, and then potentially a kicker or a defense. I'm pretty intrigued by having the Rams at this point, but couldn't really justify taking them ahead of James White with how we all feel about the Patriots 
attack if Mac Jones is the guy. And we kind of all think that Mac Jones is the guy. More thoughts on this spot. We're probably going to have, I mean, we're going to be able to pick one of these kickers if we want. Does anyone want to make an argument for somebody else here? I think it makes uh, sense. Like if we go in and like we have Tucker or Buckner, um, either of those guys, and obviously I probably would lean towards Buckner because it's a week 12 by. Um, so we might be able to, like, I can't see him getting cut, you know, unless there's an injury. I think we have our kicker position then set without having to worry about waivers each week. Um, don't know if you feel the same way, Anthony, but that's kind of my view on it is would be kind of set for those first 11 weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, NKC is an offense that I think can just put up tons of points, right? Like, yeah, obviously. I'm definitely, I'm definitely on board uh, with that here. Okay, so we'll go with Bucker. We'll lock in the Kansas City kicker with a super late buy. There is some potential advantage from time to time of streaming the kicker position, but it does create a lot of extra effort and can foul up some of the contingent types of plays that you're putting in there for your weekly waiver pickups. It's nice to have that upside in a player like that. The Chiefs were not as efficient inside the 20 last season as I would expect them to be this year. So hopefully uh, for all of our uh, Chiefs fans sake he will not be that type of score but I also expect the Chiefs to just score a lot more points than they even did last season so we have some exposure to that as we come back around here now our running back situation is Tony Pollard Ronald Jones Darrington Evans Chuba Hubbard and James White five guys different profiles a lot of upside we have four more picks one of which will be a defense so we've got three slots to work with we could take three running backs we could take a running back uh, KJ Handler and a QB, we could go a, a variety of different routes. Anthony, in an ideal world where a lot of our guys kind of make it back to us, how would you like to see these last three rounds playing out? Uh, I mean, I would I would like to get at least two running backs, I think. Um, just I just think we want we want to maximize having that extra roster space and get as many darts as we can. And then I, I, I would consider I would definitely consider like a Hamler long shot or like another QB long shot. Um, but I think, I think minimum two running backs with these, uh, with these picks. So one of the guys that we have put in the queue here and is I think interesting because he was a college teammate of Joe Mixon. They're similar players. His main reason for being last round or undrafted is simply he hasn't necessarily gotten the same type of opportunity that Mixon's had. I mean, Mixon hasn't been a great NFL player, and yet he continues to get chance after chance after chance. What's the, I mean, uh, you don't even need to think of it in terms of, you know, is there any possibility that P. Ryan is better than Joe Mixon? But do you think that he would have a big role if something happens to Mixon as it tends to do year after year? Yeah, I mean, P. Ryan is someone like moons ago, like was pretty productive in Washington. Like it's not like he's been, a complete zero like we actually have like a base level of of competence for him already um my only concern with p run and i've drafted him a ton this year is chris evans puka williams like these other guys like do they trayvon williams do they knife in at all to take uh some of these valuable touches particularly as a receiver i mean i'm thinking mostly of evans there because we've seen some buzz about him being an impressive pass catcher in practices so I, I don't know. I mean, how confusing could this get? It could get confusing, but the ceiling is still really good, right? I mean, we're we're kind of wheels up, bangles. We're all in on the bangles. If he is getting that work, it, it it's super high value for us. And if he's not, it's not like it. You know, we just we we move on. You know, we move on to the next back. It's not really a huge deal. 
The only one problem. I was going to say the. I was going to say the only one problem with P Ryan is that season was 2017, which is quite a while ago. That was back when Randall. But we remember it, and that's what matters. (laughs) (laughs) That's all that matters. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see as we do start to see um, defenses come off the board. I think I would wait on defense. Uh, A key part of our strategy, though, I just wanted to call out was. We were the last team in the draft to take a running back, but we were the first team in the draft to take a kicker. So I think that is the the key formula when we're setting up these teams in future. Um, I, I think that P. Ryan, uh, Ahmad, um, I think they're the ones that I'd be very, very interested in here. Obviously, Hamler, um, I guess, Sean, my question to you is, do you want to, if it, if it comes to getting it back to him here in the 18th round, um, do you want to get him on the team rather than miss out? Well, I think we have to wait until that final pick to to add KJ Hamler to the roster if we decide it's a good move at that point. Um, Anthony, break down for us. You see, so you made the case for Malcolm Brown. Do you have any thoughts on Ahmed as another guy there in Miami? Also, actually, quite explosive and impressive during that stretch when Gaskin didn't play last season. Are you? kind of anticipating that he has a lot of low value touches in the case of, uh, in terms of looking at standalone value. And then in the case of an injury, you think the split will come out in favor of Malcolm Brown? Yeah, that would just be my expectation. I mean, I think that what we've seen from these running backs is like their, their tendencies like seem to follow them a little bit more than we'd like. Like, I think that, you know, these coaches kind of talk and they have things that coaches do well. And that's something that it seems like the next next coach also really likes that he thinks that they do really well. So I, I feel like Brown would be kind of in the driver's seat because he already has shown us that he can, you know, produce with those goal line and, and receiving work. Now that doesn't mean that it's going to work out that way. You know, I, I we're, we're buying some, uh, you know, if we're, if we're going to buy a dolphins back, I think that we're really just selling Gaskin, right? I mean, that, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think between those two, I would prefer Brown. I, if Brown was gone, I don't have like an issue with Ahmed. I, I think that, like you said, he showed competency last year. Hey, everybody. This is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz flagship podcast. Just stopping by to say thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. We're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. So all of those guys are still there. Anthony, as I'm looking up some fun stats on Samaj AP right here, give us your thought, really a 1920 turn selection. I've been able to get able to get him to be, you know, very much behind the idea of Justice Hill. We're looking for uh, some more Hill fanatics. Is he someone kind of in the last rounds who enters you at all? Yeah, he's definitely on my radar. I mean, Hill is the third guy now, and being the third guy means you're only an injury away from being the second guy. And in Baltimore's <laughs> offense, that's value. Like they they just continue to use these backs evenly. I mean. We saw Mark Ingram get hurt last year, and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards were working, you know, almost to a to a complete split. Now, not as receiver necessarily, but on the ground. And and Justice Hill is actually the one guy that has that really good receiving profile. You know, if Dobbins were to get hurt, you would actually expect him to get those targets over, I think, Gus Edwards. You know, Gus Edwards, I think, continues to just be like the the bowling ball back. He can do the early down stuff. He's gonna get maybe get that red zone work when it's there. But Hill is is someone who would get the receptions. I know that there's not too many of them, but he could potentially get all of them, and, and that would give him a decent floor. So uh, I definitely like Hill, especially when you look at where he's going in comparison to the other the other backs on the team. I know that obviously we're expecting it to be Dobbins and Edwards to start, um, but Hill really is, is right there uh, where Edwards was a year ago, and I thought that Edwards was drafted you know higher than this. So I, I'm definitely on on board with that. So unfortunately, P. Ryan does go, Kelly goes, Hawkins goes. So we are getting down a little bit deeper into our queue, which is not necessarily a surprise. Malcolm Brown goes ahead of us there. So we're going to have to dig deep into our bag of tricks for some runners at this point. Ramondre Stevenson is someone that we could pair in there with a James White to have a little bit more of sort of the dual upside we're on the board here we have plenty of qb options and really all of those running backs have been wiped out anthony so give us a, a direction here we've got some defenses we could go with the bills who have a good defense and are going to be in shootouts lead to some uh, games where teams are trying to play from behind they throw those interceptions they allow the sacks and it, i mean it's never too early for kj handler so <laughs> what direction now, do you have for us? I, I think I like us going the defense here. Uh, I think that there's some running backs, you know, further down the board that we're looking at. We don't have to necessarily take it back here. So whoever your guys' top defense is, I'd say let's go there. I think I'll go Buffalo just based on they should be in shootouts. They should be in the lead and you should see them. Uh, other teams have to, like the poor, the poor offenses are going to have to try and catch up on them, which should lead to turnovers and things like that. So. Um, and again, I, I that'll think, help us with roster. That'll help us with the roster space early in the season. You know, we're not going to some of that, some of that effort that we'd spend grinding the wire on, on defense. Hopefully we can put that into getting some, some good backs and, and other players in the roster. Anthony Wayne Gallman, what are his chances being in there behind Mostert behind Trey Sermon? Well, it kind of sounded to me like Mostert may have gotten cut up until you know, they had the other injuries in the backfield. Like, I, I, I'm not sure how committed they are to him. So it, it's definitely possible that it's, if Sermon is locking in, like, this kind of, like, early portion of the game role, like, maybe maybe it is Gallman who comes in. I mean, they did bring him in as a free agent. So I, any San Francisco guy almost always intrigues me. 
What what do you guys think of Jarek McKinnon? Well, when we were on the Stealing Bananas show, Davis mentioned that he was put <laughs> like, and this is not exactly the case, but was put on IR last year from being tired, which, I mean, that's the case that I also have when, you know, I go through a day sitting in front of the computer and then I my workout is staring me in the face and I'm like, nope, tired. <laughs> so I like Jerry McKinnon, but he seems I think like he called he it tired leg, tired leg syndrome. I think he right. called it. So a, a shell of his former self, perhaps. But I mean, you love his profile, right? At, at his peak, which may have actually never happened in the NFL, it may be back in college. He was, you know, a better athlete than Clyde Edwards-Alaire, a better fit for what they want to do. Um, if you are on board with him here to get exposure to a Kansas City Chiefs guy who Davis doesn't like, would be well, it'd be fun. <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, it's whatever. I mean, I, I you know, there's a lot of ways you can go. If that, I just, you know, I just want to throw it out there, I think, as, as an upside play. I think the upside's there. I think that the guys we pick here, if it falls apart and they're cut prior to week one, we can we can just go to the waivers. So I, I'm happy enough to take that shot. Well, let's get the guy we know we wanted, which was Justice Hill. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. You're 100% right. Uh-huh. If the rest of the room gets tired legs and McKinnon makes it back to us, we can uh, <laughs> talk about it. I, I also, I kind of wanted to discuss also Jake Funk, um, who doesn't really have a good profile at all. Great name, though. Great name. Um, <laughs> but there just isn't anything there. I mean, it, you know, the Rams continue to say that they're not going to bring in a veteran. They kind of like Xavier Jones, but he goes way, way earlier than Jake Funk. Like, I don't know. Like, am I crazy to think that? You know, at some point, this offense could be going to Funky Town. Well, I mean, it's going to do that. So <laughs> the question is who it goes through. Yeah. Which, as you mentioned, I don't know if Funky will be the guy for that. I'm trying to look here to see where Xavier Jones had gone in this draft, which was in round 12, an optimistic, I think, approach to it. But again, you want to have exposure to that type of profile uh, in these sort of leagues Anthony, i don't think that anything that anybody's going to say is going to get us on board with selecting these guys but are Le'Veon bell and todd Gurley going to find a team before the nfl season starts probably not i mean <laughs> why why would you bother like i don't understand like why do teams bother with these guys like lev bell just like literally goes scorched earth i feel like everywhere he goes like he was just on the chiefs and he's like ripping the the play calling or whatever, or saying he didn't love me, like whatever he was saying. I don't know. Like just, I, I don't see a team bringing him in maybe girly, but it's like, if you bring the thing with bringing those guys in is like, when you bring them in, they still think that they're really good. And it, it like really clouds up things like in your locker room, like you have to deal with, you know, them not being the guy. I, I, I don't really see them, them going anywhere. If there's a, if there's a, a free agent back, that's going to get picked up. It should be Duke Johnson. Uh, I, I can't believe he still doesn't have a team. Those guys, it feels like when they come in, it does just feel a bit like, you know, it's a roster clogger. It's going to, you know, slow down the development of some of the younger guys that they might have there. So I don't know, but I still probably think that an NFL team will probably pick them up at some point, whether even if it's not in the preseason, you know, maybe during the season when injuries happen. You mentioned Duke Johnson. Um, Is he somebody that without a team you would, take a risk on and, and pick up? Or do you think we, he, he's going to go undrafted here and he's a waiver wire candidate? 
Kind of. Yeah. I mean, like uh, these 20 round drafts, we're getting to these really deep, steep, deep stages. Like we're drafting Chris Evans we're drafting, you know, I don't know. Sonny Michelle is probably gonna get drafted. Like uh, why not take a guy who like, if he signed with a team today would already have been like, would already be off the board. You know, I think that's what would happen with Duke Johnson. So I'm, I'm definitely pro uh, drafting a guy like him. A couple other guys I wanted to ask you about now that we are getting to the drags, you mentioned Sonny Michelle. Is he someone who is completely done or someone where they've kind of drafted and constructed their team in a way that he no longer is that relevant? I, he seems to me like he's going to get cut. And then my question is, there are two teams that are exciting offenses and have terrible running back depth charts, thinking in terms of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Rams. Could he end up on one of those teams? Yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, Michelle is like, I mean, you want to talk about dead legs. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, if, if he's going to get picked up somewhere again, like if you're t- telling me that Michelle has a chance to go to the Rams and then get the goal line carries for that team, like I'm definitely engaged. Like I'm way more engaged on someone like that than I am a Bella or girly. So I'm not, I'm definitely not totally against it. How about an Anthony McFarland? The Steelers do have some options behind Harris. It's not necessarily a case where one of these backs would take a Henderson-like jump if he got hurt. But, you know, he flashed a little bit last season. I've been a Benny Snell guy. I think that Snell, in a different situation in the NFL, might have done – it might have had a solid career. I think the difference in talent between, like, a David Montgomery and a Benny Snell is actually very minimal. But in order to emerge like Montgomery has, you need to have complete commitment to you, and then you need to have this very poor opposing stretch of defenses. You need to have the high volume – Snell was used around the goal line. The Steelers' offense was terrible. Their offensive line was terrible. He was stuffed repeatedly, which is a very bad look. Then you don't even deliver value to your best ball people. I would think that the opportunity this season would swing to McFarlane if the nightmare happened and Harris got hurt. But is there enough upside there for him to be a late stash, or is he more of a waiver guy? Yeah, I think he's more of a waiver guy. I still think that they're going to play that as a committee. They also added Kalen Balazs. I I think that, like, Maybe before they, before the owner maybe stepped in and said that they should draft Najee Harris, like I kind of thought that they were maybe going to go that route. So, yeah, I, I just don't see a lot of commitment to the other backs where I feel like if something were to happen to Harris, we'd get a lot out of McFarland. And then are you in or out on Stevenson as someone to pair in with James White? I like Stevenson. I mean, I think he could be maybe like the Rex Burkhead in this offense, if we have Mac Jones and we know that Rex was getting a lot of high value touches, um, someone else that's like in this range, Larry Roundtree, I kind of like him similar to, to a Josh Kelly. I mean, it sounds like one of him or Justin Jackson is going to get cut. I feel like that just kind of limits the options out of guys who could be being that tandem role with Eckler. So I feel like we get a shot at that with a guy like Roundtree. Okay, so as I'm looking at it here, I'm thinking that we probably have Duke Johnson, Stevenson, Roundtree, and Ahmed as our options here. And then potentially, if we can't come to an agreement, you know, going with a KJ Hamler. Anthony, I think you, we have. Go ahead. I think we have to go. I think we have to go Hamler here in case we miss him, and then we can take one of the other guys. Uh, I think the whole the whole draft re- revolves around this, Sean. So it sounds like. Anthony, that we are looking at Hamler. And again, I mean, you're talking about Deshaun Jackson plus profile from a guy in the 19th round. Uh, 
do you have one of these running backs who's a must draft ahead of him? No, 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 no. None, none of these guys are musts. Okay, so we'll go That's with the correct answer. <laughs> we got to keep that Hamler ownership at 100% because, you know, if he has a 1,200 yard, 10 touchdown season, you want to win every league, not just most of the leagues. So <laughs> we're looking at our final pick. We have the different roster spots covered. We're not going to uh, get any of our picks kicked out because we didn't cover QB or defense or kicker. We've got two elite tight ends. We're coming down here. I guess I feel the pull to taking one of these rookies who might somehow generate a lot of buzz in training camp. Uh, Colm, do you have a favorite or should we let our guest Anthony determine for us Stevenson versus Roundtree? Yeah, I'll let Anthony make the final choice, but I do think, you know, we're looking, I think James White's pretty safe to get points in week one, but I think, you know, having two guys in that Patriots backfield um, might just give us a little bit more uh, guarantee to get something there in those opening weeks of the season at running back, but um, I'll let Anthony make that final call. Yeah, I think we go Stevenson. We put Roundtree on the watch list, and he's someone that we're watching, you know, during training camp and, and in the preseason. Excellent. So we go Stevenson for our final pick, and that's a, a fun roster. Travis May will be excited about that. He is our Rotoviz Debbie college football expert. He's had a lot of fantastic content on the site these last couple of weeks, helping you build out your Debbie teams, getting prepared for the college football season, You know how you can help rebuild dynasty when you have a Debbie element to it, how you can project these quarterbacks and get the next hybrid dual threat stars so check travis's work out there i mentioned that again because he feels like stevenson has been undervalued and i'm not necessarily on the stevenson bandwagon at the same time i feel like he's one of those contingent picks who could pay off in a bigger way than some of these other guys and because of a couple of the hurdles he's had right here at the beginning of training camp end of the off season he's a lot cheaper than he was a month ago he's one of those players where that price could turn around again in a hurry if we get positive buzz and that is the end of the draft. All 20 rounds in the books. Hopefully you enjoyed listening. And we do have one more piece to go to share with you. It will be the recap. We have a recap where we go through our team, maybe things we would change, things that we're really happy with, what, what the outlook would be um, if we did it all again. So that will be coming out very, very shortly for you on the Road of His Overtime podcast feed. So do make sure you check that out. Make sure you subscribe to the individual feed, which is Road of His Overtime, wherever you listen to podcasts. Usually the shows go up there a little bit earlier than they go up on the Road of His radio main podcast feed. Do drop us a written and review on your favorite podcast app. We do appreciate that greatly. As always, you can save yourself 10% as well on a Rotoviz NFL pass. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for additional information. Our guest on the series here for this particular draft has been Anthony Amico. You can follow him on Twitter at Amixta. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at OverTimarnet, and you can check out Sean's great work up on rotoviz.com. Until we're back with another episode, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>